open your Bibles up to Exodus chapter 15. So if you could imagine the children of Israel come out of Egypt with great, just a, they are delivered. I mean, they come out, there's not one feeble one among them. They come out with great wealth. They experience the Red Sea parting. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, I don't know if you've ever looked at it because now it's, you know, with, with modern technology, they know right where the children of Israel would have crossed the Red Sea. And it's hilarious because they could take a picture of what the bottom of the Red Sea looks like. It's deep and it's jagged, you know, like any bottom of a sea would be. But then all of a sudden, this, this like wall comes up and then, and then it goes flat and then it goes down again. And it's like an underwater bridge from one side of the Red Sea to another. And they found remains of chariots. I've seen pictures and the markings on the Egyptian chariots were the markings from the time of Moses. So we know that that's right where they would have went across. What's amazing is how many, maybe thousands of years, God was moving those waters to create that road for them. And so when the waters parted, they walked over on dry land, which is a miracle in itself. So they experienced all of this, and then all of a sudden, now they're thirsty. And they're at the waters of Mara. And so now, after coming out of Egypt, this is the first way that God, he comes to them and expresses who he is. And in Exodus 15, 26, it says this, and said, if you will diligently hearken, this word hearken literally means to hear, to comprehend, and to discern. Remember in the parable of the sower, the whole parable is based on he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Faith comes, Romans 10, 17, by hearing the word of God, right? Hearing is not just listening to. You can't hear God's word if it's not first place in your life. If, it, if, if all of a sudden, if you ever get, your life gets above the word of God, you won't be able to hear it. You can listen to it, but you won't be able to hear it. The, to, the word hear, it literally means to reverence, honor, and respect the word of God above everything else in your life so that you give your full attention to it. And within this word, it literally means pliable too. So you're hearing the word of God in a way where you're willing to do what it says. If you're, if you're not willing to do what it says and you're opposing it, you're not going to actually hear it. So hearing, it's when the Holy Spirit is able to give revelation of his word from your spirit to you. And now you hear the voice of God. When you hear, when you hear the word of God, it produces faith. It's the same thing. This is an Old Testament picture he said, if you'll diligently hearken, if you'll diligently hear, comprehend and discern the voice of the Lord thy God and will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put, now we know this Hebrew verb put, it's not in the causative sense, even though it was translated into that. I will put. 
it, it's in the permissive tense. So it should write, it should read this way, I will allow none of the, these diseases upon you which I have brought. That again is a Hebrew verb that was translated into the causative sense. But it's not, it's permissive. He, it's not that God brought diseases. It would literally read, which I have allowed upon the Egyptians. If you'll, if you'll hear and obey my word, I won't allow the diseases that came upon the Egyptians to come upon you. He wouldn't allow it. Now, it says here, why? And then at the end of this, he literally says, this is, a, this is who God is. For I am, boy, whenever you see that, I am. He is the great I am. For I am. Now notice he doesn't say I will be. He doesn't say I was. His name is I am. He's not the great I was. He's not the great I will be. He is the great I am. I am the Lord that healeth thee. In the Amplified Version, it says, For I am the Lord who heals you. I'm the one who heals you. In the, in the contemporary English version, it says this, Then he said, I am the Lord your God, and I cure your diseases. Isn't that awesome? In the New American Standard Bible, it says, For I, the Lord, am your healer. The Young's literal translation says this, For I, Jehovah, am healing you. Isn't that awesome? He is the healer. So the word Jehovah, you've heard me say this before, it literally means the self-existent one, or you could say this, the self-existent eternal one. Another part of that, who, who, he's, he's one that always reveals himself. He's one that always keeps covenant. That's who Jehovah is. Then it goes on, the redemptive name, a redemptive name of God, for I am the Lord that healeth thee, is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth thee. Now there's other redemptive names of God. These names describe who he is. I wrote down some of them. Jehovah Elohim, the Lord is God. It, it's not the Lord was God. It's not the Lord will be God. The Lord is God, right? Jehovah Elyon, the Lord Most High. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, Right? You would say it this way, the Lord, our provider. It goes on, Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness. Jehovah Seboeth is probably a close rendering of this. That means the Lord of hosts. This is who he is. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is conqueror. I love that. Jehovah Shalom, we know what that one is, right? The Lord is peace. You know the word Shalom, literally you could, you could say it this way, the Lord is peace, the Lord is prosperity, the Lord is wholeness. It encompasses everything. 
And Jehovah Shammah is another one. I love this one. The Lord is with us. There's nothing more that God says, nothing more than he says in the Bible, than I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Now here's the thing. There's a lot of teaching that will tell you, well, that healing stuff has been done away with. Well, has the Lord our righteousness been done away with? Because it's a redemptive name. It, has God, he used to provide, but he doesn't anymore? See, you can't say that he doesn't heal. You can't say he doesn't heal and still say he's still our righteousness. Right? Because you can't, to rightly divide, if he's one of these names, he's all of them. So keep this in mind as we go through this tonight. I want to talk to you. Um, boy, I'll tell you, this, this, sometimes when you get a, a word from the Lord, it's just I'm, I'm, I'm talking and I keep hearing down on my spirit, don't let things that are threatening you intimidate you. Boy, take that. If that hit you, whatever it is, you're victorious. Praise God. So I want you to go back to John chapter 4. Go back to John chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 46. Now, you've heard me talk about, and, and we've done, we've taught literally on all of them, but we're going to talk about the healing of the nobleman's son tonight. Under the context is, God is, he is Jehovah. He is your Jehovah Rapha. He's the Lord that, that cures you, that's provided healing, all of this. Now, we have to read Exodus 15, 26 out of New Testament truth. So now, God was saying this to the Old Testament saints or the Old Testament children of Israel who were not born again. Remember, you got to read the Old Testament under the light of New Testament truth. In the Old Testament, and this is why he said so much about if you will hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, if you, will, if you will do what is right in his sight, if you will give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, then he will do this. So now, read this under the context of New Testament truth. You have to understand it's different for us. And this is the difference. In the Old Testament, they were not born again. So if they would obey God, their whole relationship, it was based on obedience. If they would obey, it gave God a legal right to move in their life. Okay? It's different for you and I. You and I are born again. So now we're no longer trying to get God to do something for us. Okay, you have to get this. We're a New Testament believer. The minute I said, Jesus, you are my Lord, and he came in and made me brand new. I was born again. I was, his, I was made his child, made his very righteousness. At that point, I was given everything. Right? So Jesus, he literally bore all of my sickness and all of my pain, he bore all my poverty, all my lack, he bore all my spiritual death 2,000 years ago on the cross. So now, what happens now 
is I, through faith, can believe I receive. I simply believe what he said. Right? Does that make sense? And now I lay hold of what he's already done. I don't, I'm not doing things to get something because I've already got it. You have to see that difference. Is he still the Lord that heals you? Yes. Do you still have to be a doer of his word? Absolutely. Because you can't receive anything from God apart from faith. So if you're not being a doer of the word, you're positioned to where you can't receive it. So you have to, don't play games with yourself. And here's the thing, the Holy Spirit, how do I walk free from sin? How do I walk free from all this stuff? Do I do it in my own strength? Is it all based on obedience? No. It's literally based on me now as a New Testament believer. I renew my mind with the word of God. I, I become willing and obedient. And now the power of the Holy Spirit through the word of God enables me to keep my body under control so that I could position myself to receive everything he's already given me. Does this make sense? So that it's, it's different. In the Old Testament, if I do this, then God would do this. In the New Testament, God's already done it, so now I, as his child, receive everything through faith. It's already done. You have to understand that because we're living in a time where Christians, they're just simply not believing it. Well, I know, I know it says it all over the book, but, but I just, my body's hurting. And so what happens is people believe what they're seeing, what they're feeling, and what they're hearing above what God has said. Why do they do that? Because we're walking by sight. We're not walking by faith. Well, you don't understand. What's happened to me is horrible, and I'm, it's a rebellious disobedience. I don't care what the Bible says. I'm going to do my own thing. Well, you can't, you can't lay hold of anything that way. And oh, how God wants you to lay hold of it. Because every sickness, every disease that will ever come against you in life, it's already paid for. Jesus already bore it. It's already done. All poverty, all lack, it has no right in your life. So if we'll simply believe, well, this is why we teach the word of God. So that you come here and you get built up. Right? If you, if you look at every problem that Christians are having laying hold of things, it's because they're opposing the word of God. Right? Well, no more of that. Don't do that. Because God's word's true. And he's for you. Do you know there's no condemnation in your life? God is not condemning you. Oh, it actually says that we are unaccusable. Satan, oh, Satan will come and try to accuse us, but we're unaccusable because everything, it's amazing as I sit here on Wednesday in 2018 in November, as I stand here right now, everything, every sin, everything has already been paid for. So now, 
the enemy has no legal right to come and attack my body. But if he does, then I rise up in my authority and I humble myself in the sight of my God and I resist him and he has to flee. And symptoms have to leave my body. Right? So, well, when? Right now. We're going to see some things in this story. You need to know that it is God's will. It is God's will for everyone. This is a big statement. And it's, it's undebatable. I've never heard anybody debate this with Scripture. I've heard them debate this with opinion, with their own beliefs, on their own merit because of all their degrees or whatever, but they don't quote scripture because they can't. But it's God's will for everyone, all of his children, to be healed right now. Right now. Be encouraged by that. And Satan can't stop it. So let's look at this. This story about the healing of the nobleman's son, this was... Uh, listed as the second miracle in the ministry of Jesus. So the first miracle is he turned water into wine. Now he's coming back to the same area, and now he has this interaction with a nobleman uh, about his son. So you would call this the first healing listed as the second miracle in the ministry of Jesus in his earthly ministry. And let me say this. Remember, there's about 19 of these individual cases in the Bible. 19 of them. Now, there's others where it says, and he healed them all and all that, but I'm talking about individual cases, right? The Syrophoenician woman's daughter, the woman with the issue of blood, the leper, right? Blind Bartimaeus, all these stories, hand-picked stories for a reason. This book we call the Bible is the living word of God. God saw fit in the gospel accounts to put 19 individual cases in the ministry of Jesus to show once and for all God's will for all men for all time. Not one time did anybody come to Jesus and him look at him and go, you know, uh, it's just not my Father's sovereign will to heal you. He never said that one time. In order for that to be doctrine, he would have had to say that two to three times. In the mouth of two to three witnesses, let every word be established. I mean, there, there's, there's not one. There's not one. So let's look at this story. John chapter 4, in verse 46. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman. Now, a nobleman, this guy would have been a man of influence, a man of wealth. Uh, the Amplified Version calls, uh, calls him a royal, uh, just like a royal officer, uh, so this guy would have been a very prominent man. He would have been a man of influence, a man of great wealth. He probably, you could probably tell by the way he was, the people that he would have traveled with, it would have told who he was. Well, instantly now, his son was sick at Capernaum. So it's interesting, this story. So here's a nobleman. He comes into Cana of Galilee, and he's coming up to Jesus. His son is sick in Capernaum which means he would have had to live in Capernaum, right? So Capernaum from Cana in Galilee is anywhere from 15 miles to 20 miles away. Now, the way they traveled back then, that would have been an overnight journey. So this man 
heard something about Jesus that caused him to travel 15 to 20 miles. Now, his son was sick. He left his son and he traveled all this way because he heard something about Jesus. Right? So keep that in mind. Verse 47, when he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him. This means he requested of him that he would come down and heal his son for he was at the point of death. So now we see when the man left his son, now think about that, your son is at the point of death. And now you're going to leave. I mean, your son could die and you could never see him again. But this must have been so profound that this man is just like, I got to get to Jesus because he can heal my son. The nobleman had heard that Jesus was a healer. The nobleman had to learn that Jesus was his son's healer. There's a lot of people that will say to you, oh yeah, absolutely, God can heal. But I'm telling you, when you get diagnosed with something, you have to know that he's your healer. This is why in Exodus and all through the book, God is like, I am the God that heals you. Right? So this is huge. Keep this in mind as the story goes. Now, this man, it's interesting because you see his humility in the way that he, he came all this way and that he came to Jesus. So, so you see humility. One thing as you study all these accounts, faith and humility always go hand in hand. Faith and humility. Pride says, I'm going to do it my way. Humility says, it's literally knowing the truth that God, without you, I can do nothing. Without you, this is not happening. Right? So faith and humility go hand in hand. You cannot be in faith until you are in a position of humility. If, if you, it's impossible for you to be in faith and in pride. Because first of all, pride, pride blinds you. So you'll have blind spots in your life and you'll be thinking, well, I could handle this or I have to do something. No, 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 no. You have to, you, faith and humility go hand in hand, right? You've heard me say the in you realities. From the word of God, it's very simple. In ourselves, we know nothing, we can do nothing and we have nothing in ourselves. But now you might sit there and say, well, you know, wait a minute, I've got talents, I could do some stuff. Yeah, and, and God calls it nothing. Right? You won't talk about it in eternity. Only what's done in faith. Right? So now, the man is requesting, though. Now, you could tell he's a man of influence. He's a royal official. He's used to, and this is where a lot, this is where a lot of us American Christians are. Right? I, we get off a plane in Jerusalem, and it's our country. Right? We, we're not intimidated at all. We're like, hey, you know, you got to line up to me because I'm an American. But so many Christians are doing that. So here's this guy of influence. No doubt everywhere he went, there's a red carpet treatment. There's VIP treatment. He always gets what he wants. So he comes to Jesus and he's got a blind spot. Because he, he hears about Jesus and he's like, that guy's got to come heal my son. 
He's laser focused on Jesus. You have to come 15 to 20 miles back to Capernaum with me and heal my son. So this is a roadblock, but the guy doesn't know it. He doesn't even know that he's like that. It's just the way he lives, right? The man is requesting that the way Jesus heal his son is that he comes to his house in Capernaum. But here's the thing. You and I don't tell God how he's going to do something. Do you see, you'll see this over and over. The how is his deal. You just simply believing is your deal. Believing the word in your heart and speaking it with your mouth is your deal. The how is his deal. Do you see? I mean, this is huge here. Because we think, you know, well, if I come up to get hands laid on me, and man, I was healed right here one time, so I got to come here. And what will happen is somebody will step up and be in your spot, and all of a sudden your, your faith is gone. Well, no, brother, your faith was never there. Right? So, so the teaching tonight is forget the how. Let go of your how. Okay? Don't tell God how to heal you. So let's, I'm just going to real quickly read an example. You probably remember this guy in the Old Testament, Naaman. Let's read about him, 2 Kings chapter 5, real quick. 2 Kings chapter 5, because I really want to drive this, this point home. And this is why you have to stay you have to stay with your eyes in the word of God. You have to keep your eyes on Jesus because, guys, pride and selfishness is only as far away as our flesh. It's the nature of our flesh. So if you start walking by sight at all, you're right there. You're going to get into pride. And the first, the first manifestations of pride is blindness. You think, have you ever met somebody? I won't say, have you ever been there? Because we'd all have to go, yeah. But, you know, I'll just be nice and go, have you ever met somebody, some other person that lives in a far, far away place, right? <laughs> that, that just every, I mean, their life, they go here and, and it's just somebody else's fault why it's not working out. Then they, then they go over here and it's, it's, well, it's somebody else's fault why it's not working out. And then I go over here and, and they never even see that, you know, the common denominator in your life, it's not the 18 churches that you've been to. You know, the common denominator is no, no matter where you go, you're there, right? But people don't see that. So we want to stay fresh. The Holy Spirit will keep you fresh. He'll keep you fresh. So chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Now Naaman, it says captain, it would have been, he would have been a general in this army, of the, uh, of the host of the king of Syria was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. So now, so this is Naban. He's kind of like the nobleman from the standpoint he's a hero in his country. So, and the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, 
for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told the Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is in the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. Now, if you were to total that up in today's dollars, it's about $300,000. Okay, so he took some pretty big-time wealth, and he brought the letter to the king of Israel. So the king of Syria writes a letter to the king of Israel, and he's really not asking him. He's pretty much telling him, I want you to get this prophet to heal my general of leprosy. So you can imagine the king of Israel is probably a little freaked out. Because he's like, oh, this is a setup. And whenever his servant doesn't get healed of leprosy, they're going to come conquer our land. Who knows what's going on here, right? And he brought the letter to the king of Israel saying, now, this is verse 6, when this letter is coming to thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that you may recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter, that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive? That this man does send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Leprosy was a death sentence, right? Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeks a quarrel against me. Verse 8, And it was so, when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Why did you rent your clothes? So, so basically, the prophet is just like, when he hears the kings just wimping out, he's like, what is wrong with you? Because to the, to the prophet, we're the people of God. You don't rent your clothes and get all freaked out over outside circumstances like this king of Syria who has no covenant with God. So it's almost like Elisha's like, you know, ha- have, the God, have him send him to me, I'll take care of this. So so that's what's happening right here. So, and it was so, verse 8, when Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent your clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot, and he stood at the door of the house of Elisha. Can you kind of get the feel? Because he's Naaman. I mean, people would be coming out of that house, falling down, what can we do for you? So he comes up to Elisha's house, and look at what happens. Right? Elisha sent a messenger unto him. How would you like to have been that messenger? (laughs) Saying, go, wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh will come again to thee, and you'll be clean. So here's Naaman, he makes this big entrance to see the prophet. He's just come from the king's palace to see the prophet, and the prophet sends his servant out and goes, uh, you know, all he told me to do is, uh, you know, the Jordan River? And Naaman would have known it. Yeah, the filthiest river in the whole area. Uh, go dip yourself seven times, and you'll come up, and your skin will you'll be healed. And so look at how the next verse starts. And Naaman was wroth. Now that's a King James way of saying he was very, very upset, right? 
And what did he do? And he went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and I recover the leper. See, Naaman had it all figured out exactly how it was going to take place. Now, we can't get down on him because many Christians do the same thing. They'll come up for prayer and then they, they check their body to see if they feel anything. Which is kind of ridiculous because healing is spiritual. It's not physical. Now, it will manifest in your physical body. But if there's one thing in Mark 11 that Jesus was real clear, he didn't put a time frame on anything. He just said, believe you receive and you'll have. See, with God, God's already done it. So God's looking up and going, okay, all you, all you got to do is believe me. But Naaman had to have it a certain way. Now, I know none of us have ever thrown fits like this. So I know this is what, you know, that's why I'm going over it kind of slow. So it says here, it goes on, verse 12, are not this guy and that guy of Damascus better than all the waters? Right, he's basically, he's listing some rivers in Syria. And he's going, aren't the rivers in Syria much cleaner than this Jordan River? Right? I've seen the Jordan River. I really wouldn't want to dip myself in it. Now, there's one area, I've, I've done baptisms, it's, it's a site and it's, it's a small area of the Jordan River, and it, it looks green. I think they put some stuff in it maybe to make it look green. And so you just pray and get in there. It says, aren't these two rivers in Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. In rage. Boy, I can't, I, you know, I've, I've seen people do that in church. Just get mad because it's just not working out the way that they want it. So, and his servant came near and spoke unto him and said, My father. Now, he probably started out by saying that because he didn't want Naaman to have him killed, right? <laughs> My dear father, if the prophet had bid you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? How much rather then, when he said to thee, Wash and be clean? So then Naaman went and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. He just did it God's way. So this is where the noblemen, so here's Jesus. He knows this, this guy is thoroughly convinced that if I come to his house, that's how it's going to happen. Well, he's got to get his faith out of how it's going to happen and onto the, onto the healer. So if you see Jesus, he always meets people right where they are, and then he's, he's moving them to get them in the faith. Listen, this is what the Holy Spirit will do to you. You know when Jesus said, hey guys, I'm going away, and where I'm going, you can't come right now, but I'm going to send another comforter to you, the Holy Spirit. That word another is the Greek word allos. It's one of the same kind. You want to know how the Holy Spirit leads you? Just read the Gospels. See how Jesus led his disciples, because it's the same. He's always trying, and this is what the Holy Spirit will do to you, so don't fight him. 
For some people, listen, people want to prosper. So what happens sometimes is we're all in. I want to be healed. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit will start dealing with you to forgive this person or to start treating your wife better or your husband better. Or you've surrounded yourself in an environment that's causing you to just mess up, but you're not willing to make the change. Don't be like that. Because here's one thing that God is not really concerned with, our comfort. You see this over and over again. He is concerned about you. You got any trial any trial you're in, you need, this is what you need to look at it like. If you're not looking at it like this, you're not seeing it right. All it is, it's a gymnasium. It's a workout room. Everything you'll face is designed to make you stronger. But, you know, you just don't want to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and go lift weights. Right? Or you don't want to give this or give this up or stop being here or whatever, whatever it is. Listen, I can tell you this, walking in the blessing of God, and your father knows this, it's so much better for you. It's so much better for you. So keep this in mind. So we see this man's humility and the fact that he came to Jesus, but now he's requesting that it happen a certain way. So now let's look at verse 48. John 4, 48. I should give you a minute. Are you guys back in John? Okay. John 4, 48. Then said Jesus unto him, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. So that seems like a harsh statement. But Jesus, why would he say that to the man? Because the Father was leading him to. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of his Father, the Holy Spirit who was upon him would always lead him on what to say and what to do. He was trying to get the man in the right place. Jesus was leading the man from natural human faith, which we call sense knowledge, right? We call it sense knowledge reasoning that is based on what you see, what you hear, or what you feel. He's trying to move him from that to the God kind of faith, which is simply faith in God's word. Jesus is trying to move him over here. Faith isn't faith until it moves ahead with no physical proof. Faith is things not seen. It gives substance to things that you don't see. So let's forget about the see and feel and what we're hearing because none of that's as great as when our Father says something. He never lies. His word is forever settled in heaven. It is unchangeable. When it says in Matthew chapter 8, verse 17, that Jesus himself bore yours and my sicknesses and carried away our pain, that can't be changed. So we, we don't have to see things. This is why faith, real faith, does not need evidence in the natural. 
right? The Bible, I mean, are, it, it, it's great when you get the good doctor's report. And if you're in any kind of a battle, you'll get it. You will eventually get the good report. But don't be moved by a doctor's report. Because the thing is, they're, they're, they're operating based on this natural realm. But don't be moved by that. Here's your report. You already have it. It's in Isaiah 53.1. And then it goes on and lists it right out. It says, who will believe the report of the Lord? And to whom will the arm of the Lord be revealed? The manifest power and presence of God is revealed to the one who believes the report. So get this out of your vocabulary. You know, well, pray for me that I get a good report from the doctor. Well, no. That's, that's, the Holy Spirit will never lead you that way. He'll lead you to say, Father, I thank you. I believe I receive. I'm, I believe I'm healed. The, you'll go to the doctor and he says, well, the tumor's growing and this is not looking so good. And you'll go, well, thank you so much. And then you leave and go, Father, I thank you that I'm healed. I thank you that you're healing power right now. Romans 8, 11, you're quickening my mortal body. You're healing and restoring my body to health. Your word is life and medicine to my flesh. Right? I, th this is how we live. This is how you walk by faith. God's word is enough. Look at what Psalm 1720. Psalm 1720, it says, He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. He sent His word. In the, in the contemporary English version of that verse, it says it this way, by the power of his own word, he healed you and saved you from destruction. If you're fighting anything in your body tonight, you need to realize that your father has literally, in the same way that he said, light be, and light is still going, he said, you're healed by the stripes of my son. That's just as powerful. It's the word of God. By the power of his own word, he healed you and saved you from destruction. I love the New Living Translation of this verse. He sent out his word and healed them, snatching them from the door of death. Wow. Snatching them. See, what we do is we check our bodies to see if we're healed. But healing doesn't flow from the body, so don't check the body. Healing comes from God's word. So if I want to check if I'm healed, i got to go to his word. Amen. See how simple that is? So simple. So very simple. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We went through this in a service previously, but literally it's saying now faith is the confidence of things expected. It's the proof. Faith is the proof that I have what I cannot perceive with my senses. How do I know? I've heard God's word. He told me that he's my healer. He's my provider. He told me that he always causes me to triumph. He is my victory. He is my righteousness. All of these things. Hallelujah. Faith makes it a reality in my life. So you are not in faith. We've said this several times now. If you're judging 
the truth of God's word by the facts that you see, that you feel, or that you hear. We walk beyond that. Guys, as we're racing towards the end of this age, the heat in this earth is going to get turned up. You know, it says several times throughout the New Testament, the just shall live by faith. You know, that's in a commanded tense. Don't get rid of walking by sight. Start right now. No, I don't care if you're believing God for a pair of socks. You, you ask the Holy Spirit, I need to learn how to walk by faith. Just because you're in this church doesn't mean you'll know how to walk by faith. Right? You could read every book, every book on UFC fighting. And I'm telling you, the first time you get in a ring with one of these crazy guys that kick and punch, and they just look mean and nasty, right? And the first time you get hit and it throws you across the room, all the book knowledge goes right out the window. In the same way, all the years of hearing about how God's your healer, if it doesn't get here, when you get the diagnosis that you, there's nothing we can do, right? It, 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 just, it just blows people away. Don't be like that. You're in a great environment here. A great environment where all of us want to help each other. Right? And we need each other. You need people in your life that will call you up and tell you how healed you are. Right? You need to come into an environment where you're, all, you're never going to hear from this pulpit I mean, if we have a guest minister and he ever says it, that service is over right now. I don't care who it is. If anybody ever stands up here and says, well, you just never know what God's going to do, done. I'll take over that service right now. No, 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 no. We need to know what he's doing, right? You'll never hear from this in this church. It, it doesn't matter. Now, this is not going to happen. But if I were to fall dead right now of sickness and disease, that shouldn't move you at all. You should go, wow, Tony missed it. But we're going on. <laughs> Right? You'll probably go, Tony, man, Tony missed it. Right now, he's talking to Jesus about basketball. He wants to go dunk a basketball again, right? No, but, but you know, listen, we're not, we're not moved. Truth is unchangeable. What God says trumps every theologian. Amen. I don't care how dynamic they are. And the truth is, God has made provision for you to walk free from sickness and disease in this earth. Amen. Hallelujah. Psalm 23, 7, or 27, 13 says this. I would have fainted unless I had believed to see. Notice believing comes first before seeing. You could say this. Seeing is the fruit of believing. Right? I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, in verse 13, it says, We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, and now he's going to quote Psalm 116, verse 10. I believe, this is, he goes on, I believed and therefore I have spoken. We believe and therefore speak. Right? You believe and speak. Believing will cause you to see. But believing comes first. 
So in verse 49, the nobleman said, John 4, 49, the nobleman said unto him, Sir, come down ere my child die. Even after this, even after Jesus kind of slaps him with, unless you see signs, wonders, and miracles, you won't believe. He's now, now the man is just really, he, it's hitting rock bottom. He's like, listen, sir, come down or my child's going to die. The man is still in, he's still not in faith. This man had to yield to the words of Jesus to get the result. In the same way, you and I will have to yield to the words of Jesus to get the result. The nobleman had to receive knowledge of God's word to change his thinking so that he could yield to Jesus' words and receive from him. You and I will have to do the same thing. We're going to have to receive knowledge from the word of God so that it changes our thinking so that we can receive his words. Do you see that? This is why we've got to renew our mind with the word of God. So John chapter 4, verse 50. And Jesus said unto him, Go your way, your son lives. So now he's like, Jesus, if you don't come, my son is going to die. And then now the word of God comes. Go your way, your son lives. So right now, this is where we are tonight. We're sitting here tonight going, I know the word says, by his stripes, I'm healed. God's saying to you, I bore your sickness and carried your pain, and with my stripes you were healed. So now, Jesus completely throws the ball in that nobleman's court. Go your way, your son lives. Basically, I'm not coming to your house but I spoke the word. Now this man had a choice. He's either going to believe and leave and go do what the word says or not. And it says here, and the man believed. It's the Greek word pistio. I'm, I'm not saying that perfectly, but it literally means to have faith in. So you could say it this way, and the man had faith in the words that Jesus had spoken to him and he went his way. In the Amplified Version of verse 50, it says, Jesus answered him, Go in peace, your son will live. And the man put his trust in what Jesus said and started home. Do you see that? He put his trust in what Jesus said, and then he acted on it. Faith without corresponding actions is dead. So he had to walk up. Now, think about how would you have liked that journey home? Guess who was sitting on his shoulder the whole way home? Walking right, you know how Satan walks to and fro in the whole earth? We know at this point in history, right where Satan was, he was walking right next to him. You know, you're never going to see your son again. Now, I'm sure when Jesus said it, have you ever heard a word from God? Man, you're so excited. But, but has the enemy ever come after that? You know, when, when the lights dim down and you go out to your car and, it, and it's cold in your car and you're driving home and while you're a block away from church, just having, you just got a glimpse of heaven and the reality of your life comes crashing back down. 
You're all alone in the car, right? This happened to this guy. He's, he has an overnight journey, 15 to 20 miles, with the enemy saying, you're believing, you don't even know him. He wasn't even willing to come to your house. You're never going to see this guy again. Who knows what he said, right? Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit on how to minister to this man. The man had personal revelation of God's word for his life, and he acted upon it to receive the results. And that's the thing. You have to have a revelation of God's word. And here's the good news for us, guys. The Holy Spirit, he's here for all of us. He's in you to give you that revelation. So this is interesting. The man had no physical proof that his son was healed. He only had the word of Jesus. So he had to go 15 to 20 miles. That's the fight of faith. What's the fight? To stay at rest. He, I'll tell you, the man would have had to walk and just said, no, I thank you, O Jehovah. You're my healer. My son is well. Jesus' words must be focused on if faith is to be held. It was the man's faith in Jesus' words that brought the healing to his son. That's, what, that's, that's how it was received. It is our faith in God's word that brings his promises to pass in our lives. You can speak words of faith that agree with God's word, when you do that, it'll change your body, it'll change your marriage, it'll change your business, it'll change everything in your life. Any addictions that you have in your life, it'll help you get away from the sin, it'll help you lay down the weights, it'll bring dead things to life. It all starts with you believing the Word of God. This is everything. It can change your circumstances. See, the nobleman received by simple faith without any signs, without any sight. Verse 51, let's finish this up. And verse 51, and as he was going, or I'm sorry, and as he was not going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, your son lives. See, this miracle, it speaks to our time because it shows that we don't need any physical presence of Jesus to receive healing. We just need his word. Dr. Lillian, uh, Lillian B. Yeoman, she's just, if you don't have anything that she's written, I would encourage you to get it. Uh, she's got some great books, but she made this statement. Real faith thrives on tests and trials and can withstand the teeth of any opposition for any length of time. That's real faith. Verse 52 then inquired he of them the hour when his son, or when he, his son, began to amend. Began, did you notice that? Began to amend. So his servants come up and he's like, hey, when, did you notice that? They're like, hey, your son lives. They ran to get him. And he goes, tell me the hour he began to amend. Wow, so this healing, this miracle was gradual. Began to amend. And look at what they said to him. Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. At the exact time when Jesus said, your son lives, 
the minute he believed that, the minute he turned to go home, the fever broke in Capernaum. Interesting. And he began to amend. The minute, the moment, the second that you believe God's word and receive that in your life, the word of God, the power in the word of God goes to the root and core of sickness and disease and kills it by the root. And then it begins to work out. Sometimes it works out very fast. We have an instant miracle. Sometimes it's a little bit over time, but it doesn't matter. It'll still work out. Wow. We must learn to accept that instantaneous and gradual healings are both the plan of God. Because of that, we should not turn the switch of faith off when it doesn't happen right away. We must count the death blow struck to sickness and disease the moment we believe. Isn't, isn't that good news? That means I don't care if somebody gave you a diagnosis that you have to die by 9 o'clock tonight. It's not too late. If you'll believe the word of God, it will stop it. I love that. Kenneth Hagin said this, We miss the supernatural by confining God to the instantaneous. <laughs> wow. Didn't Mark 16, 18 say, say that we'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, right? So verse 53, so the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said unto him, your son lives and himself believed and his whole house. Notice how that healing was the doorway for his whole house getting saved. His whole house believed. In the same way, healing's always been the calling card of the gospel. Right? You'll see it here. You'll see it here. Isn't it cool that we're going to see it? We're already seeing it. But we're going to see it in greater measure and greater measure and greater measure. I love that. I love it. I am the Lord that heals you. This is so important, guys. Do you, do you see that tonight? You don't need a feeling. You don't need to hear something from a doctor or another person. You don't need to see something. You have God's word. And he loves you. And not only that, he'll never leave you. And he cannot lie. Amen.